Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Nurse Leader Network Podcast. Today, we are in for a super big treat. We have Katie Harris of Nursepreneur with us today. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited that we finally got to get this episode started. I know you and I met up back in a couple of months ago, right before COVID hit, and we had been planning on getting this done. And, and you know, the pandemic kind of got in the way a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, it got in, a lot of, in the way of a lot of things for, for all of us. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm, glad, I'm glad that we have you. And I think it's really timely. Uh, this is actually, we're in the midst of nursing week. And there was a survey that uh, came out about a week or two ago that I saw by Feed Trail and Holly Blue, and they they stated that about sixty ish percent of nurses were either looking for another job or looking to leave the profession or had already left, and so I, that's kind of a staggering. It's a staggering number, and I think it's a great time to talk about your topic and your business. So, Katie, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and and what you do? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I can b- totally believe those numbers because I feel them in my business as nurses come in and they're interested in other opportunities and what else can I do? And, you know, I, I really felt that way many, many years ago. So I've been in nursing for, oh my gosh, uh, something over 20 years. <laughs> I can't remember anymore. But uh, so for 20 years, and I always had this want and desire to just do more and what's next and, uh, you know, what, what else can I pull into the equation? And the hospital system doesn't seem to really like you to do that. And so I've always kind of been, I'm going to say, one of the fringe type of employee, like, because I'm always pushing the envelope and want to do something extra and more and above and beyond. And they're just always trying to pigeonhole me into a position. Um, and it didn't, it wasn't quite working out for me that way. And I guess the real kind of, for me, the nail in the coffin was working for neurosurgery for 15 years as a nurse practitioner. And, you know, I grew up with these residents and I worked as much as they did practically. And then one year they graduated, right? And here I was back working with the intern and reporting to the intern. And I remember the intern saying to me, oh, we don't do things like that around here. And I was like, I've been oh, here for, yeah. For, yeah, for 15 years. You're going to tell me I don't. that's not how we do things. And then confronting and, and attending and just having a blow up with them, right? And that was just kind of, you know, he didn't like being disrespected, even though it was in private. So I ended up getting sent to anger management classes. So here I am with a PhD, an MBA, three master's degree, and I'm in anger management classes. <laughs> I'm like, this is not going the way I want it to go at all. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. so it was really just kind of that turning point for me. Like, I'm like, I know I have to do something else. There's nothing that I can do in the hospital system that's going to make anything better for me because I just don't fit in in this area. And you know, you get that sense and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of just categorize all corporations or whatever as as bad and evil, because that's not it at all. But there's that kind of corporate sense that you just do what you're told and that's it. And I didn't like that. So I knew I needed something more and something different. And that's when I started exploring opportunities for how can I do something that really 
uses my expertise and helps me to get to where I want. Okay, so so tell me more. I'm, I mean, I'm loving hearing your story. You you talked about okay, so you had this blowout, you're in anger management. What was your next like? What was your next? What'd you do next? What was the next step? Uh, well, I'd love to say that I quit that day and then went off and made tons of money in my own business. And <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the dream, right? Everybody has that dream that you know, as soon as they quit, that that's what's going to happen. Uh, so what actually did happen was I realized my time was up at that hospital system. And one of my uh, residents that had just graduated as an attending was like, well, I'm going down to this other hospital system. Why don't you come with me? So I did. And th- that change was nice. And what I realized that I really liked was the learning aspect. I love the learning curve and learning new things and just growing and, and my knowledge growing and my expertise growing. But then again, after three years, I'd gotten to a point where I just knew how to do everything really well. And there was just nowhere else for me to go at that point. And at that point, I actually got called by uh, Walmart and they needed um, a senior manager for talent acquisition to recruit nurse practitioners into clinics in their clinics that they had down south. So that was another opportunity where I was like, yeah, this is great. And I got to learn a whole new skill set. And I did that for several years. And it was just another one of those things where you get to that ceiling and it's kind of like, no, this is what you have to do. And every time the learning got cut off for me, I got really frustrated and I guess angry. I guess I am an angry nurse. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so out of anger though, I I like to say that it breeds all kinds of really cool and neat things. So, okay. So you left Walmart and, and how was Nursepreneurs born? So Nursepreneurs was born basically because one of the things they tasked me with at Walmart was to recruit nurse practitioners. And I was like, well, how do I get a hold of nurse practitioners? And I kind of went down this hole of, uh, you know, how do I market to people? How do I get everybody into one space? So I had started a blog on uh, nurse practitioner and nurse practitioner issues and, and then helping new grads to transition. So I had created that kind of business model. Um, and it was, you know, it went really well for a time. And then I found the concierge nurse model. So then I started a concierge nurse business model. And along the way, I've always helped other people to start their businesses. Um, I do have an MBA and I have had um, small businesses on the side. God, ever since I was like six, I used to sell lemonade to construction workers. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that I've always had that spirit to, to do something and make money. Um, so yeah, the, the business of nursepreneurs grew out of that. It just evolved and continues to evolve as my skill set gets larger and larger and larger. I can do more and more things and more and more opportunities come out. So that's really where it stemmed from. It just I saw that other nurses were struggling with the same issues that I had of being stuck in the hospital system and looking for ways out. Yeah, I I um I was scrolling through Facebook today and there was a group on one of the nursing groups and it asked, what did you get for nurses week? What was your nurse week gift this week? And I'm not kidding you, probably like 85%. It felt like 85%. I didn't do any statistics, but of the folks on there responded, I got furloughed or I (laughs) got to keep my job or I got told I was going to have a decrease in my pay, like just tons and tons and tons of things like that. And it made me go back and think about something that I was once told, which is the only true security that you have in terms of, you know, people think that they have security in their pensions, or they have security in really great organizations, or they have security in whatever. But the only 
true security you have is when you build it yourself for yourself. So you're, you know, taking your mission and living your mission versus filling the mission of somebody else's dream. Um, And so it really kind of made me go back and think, you know, if had all these nurses that were talking about the impact that the pandemic is having on their lives had had even a side business or something that they were doing on the side, you know, they may not have felt the impact um, as bad economically and or they could have had businesses that could have created solutions uh, for some of the things that we're seeing now. And so I think it's probably a really good idea for people to start thinking about, even if you really love your job and you never want to leave or you really love your organization, you know, what can you do to create kind of a side gig that number one, helps others. And number two, gives you a cushion so that you always have something to fall back on in those, you know, what if moments. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point to to mention too, because I, I remember not really getting anything for never getting anything for nurses week because nurse practitioners when I was a nurse practitioner weren't included in nurses week. So we got nothing. Uh, but I, again, working for 20 neurosurgeons for 15 years, the best gift I ever got, and this is all 20 of them pitching in, was a bottle of wine. For <laughs> all 20 neurosurgeons. So they get, um, they literally get $100,000 bonuses at the end of the year. And we got a, a, a nice bottle of wine, which you know, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is, this is nice and all, but. <laughs> yeah. Was it a $10,000 bottle of wine, Katie? Yeah. <laughs> that, okay. But that, <laughs> I may never have drunk that. So then it maybe it's not a good gift. Just hold it. (laughs) Look at it. But, you know, it also just begs the question of what is it that I want them to do or what what would be enough that I would feel appreciated and validated? And those are the kind of the deep questions that I had to really ask myself. Like, uh, you know, at this point, do I really care if somebody gives me something for a nurse's week? And the answer is no, because I give myself what it is that I want. And I think that's the piece that's kind of missing because we're not routinely appreciated or validated in the hospital system, but it can't come from without. It's got to come from within. And that's the only way that you're really going to be happy with, with what you get or don't get for that matter. Yeah, for sure. You got me thinking, if there are some nurse leaders that are on listening to this right now, they're driving to work or they've been laid off or whatever the scenario is, what are some things that, that they might do or what are some steps that they might take to start to explore entrepreneurship? as a nurse? Well, it's definitely something that is, and you mentioned something about years in the making. And I would say that a really solid entrepreneurial gig or side hustle, or if you want it to be your full-time job is going to be years in the making. And I I can't tell you how many nurses I've had to call me then say, what can I do super fast and easy to get this business going? And it's just, it doesn't work that way. So for entrepreneurialism, one of the things that you really need to have a passion for is to solve a problem. So you really have to want to help somebody else and just come up with solutions. So you're the type of person that loves listening to problems and brainstorming ideas, and maybe everybody comes to you with their problems and you give them solutions. I mean, that's kind of a a key factor that you're, you're, this would probably be a good area for you to be. In terms of building wealth yeah it's a it's a great it's a great investment for you to build wealth for yourself but there's other ways to do wealth building without starting a company and and if you don't have a passion for helping other people and solving their problems it's probably not a great investment for you to to spend your time and money in growing a business uh, so i think making that distinction you know do i just want passive 
wealth building or do I really want to get in there and solve problems and I'm going to invest in a, a business that will that can grow and, and become wealth building? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, um, if, you know, everybody that I've talked to that owns a business that's successful and um, every book that you read on uh, entrepreneurship, it really is about having that genuine desire to really be a change maker and really help improve the lives of other people in whatever way that might be. And and if you look at those that go into it really with, you know, the eye on a seven figure or whatever it is that they might have their eye on, but it's related to self-benefit versus um, others' benefits, you, you see how uh, their organizations may not uh, be as successful as those that really aim to make a change in the world. So I, I would totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, th- you see those same people that will jump from idea to idea to idea just because they think, oh, yeah, IV hydration, that's easy. I can do that. Or um, I can do concierge nursing. That's be super simple. Or And none of them are easy, uh, but all of them are, are fun if you love doing, you know, solving that particular problem. Yeah. So you spoke about concierge nursing and IV hydration. What are some of the other businesses that um, maybe you've ran into nurses that are doing or what are what are things that, you know, thinking outside of what the typical you know role of a nurse is, what are some kind of neat things that you've seen nurses do? Yeah, absolutely. So I have actually two kind of tiered type of, I don't know what you would call them, but programs, if you will. And the one is a big mastermind, a nursepreneur mastermind, where the ideas are much more ambiguous to start. So the nurses come in, they're like, I really want to start something. I have a passion for this, this, and this, but I don't know how to start it. So for example, one of my students came in and she loves mother baby and that postpartum period. So, you know, I said, well, we can start a business in that. And she said, well, you know, I don't understand how we can do that. So I've been showing her how to structure an offer that she can present to women in postpartum period and, you know, offer them coaching programs and various different things that she can do in that aspect. And then I have these, what I call focus masterminds, which are such as legal nurse consulting mastermind. So how to set up a business um, and get marketing referrals and that kind of stuff. Cannabis mastermind, IV hydration, then there's medical staffing, med spas, uh, you know, content writing. Uh, there's a whole just slew of very focused businesses that we can help them set up. And in, at some level, I think people think that those are easier because they can wrap their mind around what the business model is. But it's just as hard to start an IV hydration clinic as it is to start a business based on your expertise in postpartum women. So it just it it just it it depends on what you want to do and what you your expertise is, and we can roll it into a business model and show you exactly how it can generate income. Yeah, I, that's interesting that you say it's just as hard to do something that you're passionate about as it is to do things that maybe they're a little bit more clear about. Um, And I think it's an important piece for people to remember in terms of like taking the easy way out because there is no easy in, in any kind of business. There's no easy in healthcare. What are some, what are some things that you see as uh, the biggest challenges for people that are like, okay, I'm ready to take a leap. Like I'm, I want to, this is something that sounds really interesting. You know, what do you see as as some of the challenges that, that they, that people frequently face? So the biggest challenges are the sheer overwhelm, which we try and minimize. So 
you know, I don't like to give everybody the entire picture <laughs> to start with because they're like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> and then the competition. So I, I, we do competition worksheets for all of our students so that they can see who's out there. And when they start looking to see who's out there, they're like, oh my God, you know, I can't compete with that person or blah, blah, blah. But it's not about competing with other people. And that's where we were. It really helps to be in a group because what we do is help them to see the competition as inspiration and say, all right, there's somebody out there that's generating money on this business. This business model works. This person cannot serve 6 billion people on the planet. So there's you know, other opportunity for competition to come into a space. So, and the idea there is to kind of take an angle on it. So for instance, with IV hydration, you know, you could just start a brick and mortar uh, business, just like the IV hydration clinic down the street from you, or you could do like a separate angle and say, you know what, I'm going to go after sports teams or athletic performance, or, you know, maybe I'm going to do weddings and and just pick a niche uh, and just do something somewhat different than what the competition is already doing. Um, So I think when you think like that, and you see these openings, it just makes things a lot easier. But you want to use your competition as inspiration and not to like, a reason not to start a business, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, um, I'm, I read a book. It's called Choose by Ryan Levesque. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. Okay. So Chew, in his book, he tells people that if you are trying to go into a business and there's no competition, no competition, that's a huge red flag. Yeah. And it's highly likely it's something you don't want to go into because there might not be a market for it. And so he talks about like the top things that you want to have when you are looking to to go into um, any kind of business that's sustainable. And so uh, one of the things is making sure that there's competition. Another is making sure that it's something that has sequential, there's a sequential appetite for it. So the example he gives is like a bug service, you know, th- those kind of like if you decided to start a like a termination, like a bug killing service. You know, once you kill the bugs and the problem's gone, then like how likely are you to to be able to continue to do business with the people that you've already had as clients? So, I mean, maybe that would work for somebody who owns a ton of apartment buildings, but as like an individual homeowner, you know, that might not be something that I that he can keep me as a sustainable customer for. So, something that you want to do is try and solve for something that's a problem that's recurring. So, maybe in the IV hydration business and sports medicine, every time they play a game, you're going to see some changes in electrolytes or something like that and making it up. And then he goes into uh, making sure that um, he calls them players with money um, or or something to that effect. And he said he tried to go into a discount scrapbooking company. (laughs) And he said, you know, he thought it was cool. Like he'd be able to give, you know, sell these books on how to do scrapbooking at a discount. And he said when he looked into the market, he found that like these people didn't have any money. They were scrapbooking. So he couldn't sell anything. And so uh, it's really interesting because, you know, everything that you're sharing around having to have, you know, competition, using the competition for inspiration, but not copying, right? Like we don't want to provide the exact same service. It's kind of, in my mind, like the difference between Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme, right? Like they're just (laughs) Krispy Kreme is in the market. Dunkin' Donuts didn't say I can't or vice versa because I have no clue which organization started first. But right. So putting your own spin on it, I think those are all super valid points. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great book. So I would totally say to anybody who's looking at a startup, that'd be a great piece of a great tool to have in your toolbox. Yeah. And and along those lines as well, like with your competition, I mean, 
you really want to make sure that they have money, but make sure that you can define them as well. So I've had nurses come in and say they want to do coaching. And I'm like, well, coaching for who? Like, you know, we, we we need to define this and then make sure that they identify with the term that you're giving them. So if you say chronic patients or chronic disease patients, like Nobody walks around and says, I'm a chronic disease patient. So they're not going to join Facebook <laughs> groups that say, I'm a chronic disease patient. So, but they will join groups um, for PCOS. And that's one of my other students, um, Rosalind. She does uh, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And these women who have PCOS identify with the term PCOS. And they'll say, I have PCOS. And they join PCOS groups and they want to be and all this stuff. So now we have a very select audience that we can target and engage, as opposed to going through a million Facebook groups asking if anybody has Picos. Yeah, for sure. That's absolutely true. And I think the the more you niche down, the more you relate to the individual on that level, right? So you're speaking to somebody versus speaking, trying to speak to everybody, which means you're going to be speaking to nobody. Right. And that's a, that's a really hard thing to do. And especially for nursing. And this is something that I've just realized recently in the last, I guess, year or six months or whatever. But as nurses, uh, we tend to be very broad. Uh, we like this this ability to be able to cross train and I can work OB and then I can go work the ED and then I can go work the OR and all these great things and stuff. So when nurses come to me and want to talk about, you know, what can I do? And I'll say, what's your expertise? And they give me this litany of stuff that they've done before. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe we can find a, a common running theme here, but the real money, it comes in an expertise or a specialty. So I would really encourage nurses to, instead of going broad and, and being able to do everything is to find something, even if you don't go into a business, something narrow. So one of my um, my nursing friends now is in cardiology, CVICU. And I said, well, why don't you learn everything you can about ECMO? And, you know, just to, she's not even doing a business, but I'm like, we'll make you the echo, ECMO es- expert. And everybody wants you to come to their conference and you write all the stuff about it. You write the chapters, you do all the articles, like just brand yourself around ECMO. Don't do ECMO and then OB and then whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great, you know, that, that's, that's, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that because I think this information, you know, there's probably listeners on there that are like, no, I'm not interested in starting a business or intro entrepreneurship or whatever, but um, you may not be interested in that, but you may be interested in, in, you know, speaking at conferences or giving talks or being seen as a content expert or subject matter expert. And so these are, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head around different strategies and, and the why behind, you know, how this information is beyond useful to entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, you really want to brand your career. And, you know, that well, I'm totally going off topic with entrepreneurialism, but I, I think it's really important. And I think it's something that as nurses as a whole, we kind of miss the mark on that because um, having that expertise is so powerful and, and it's really defining. And a lot of people are afraid to niche down because they're like, oh, but, you know, there's all these other people over here that I could get. And it's like, well, <laughs> you'll actually get more, the fewer people that we have to work with. So. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Tell me about, um, you, you know, we, you and I met at a meetup that you hosted. Tell me how you got those started. Are you going to have more? What's your hope for those meetings? Yeah, well, uh, COVID has ruined a lot of those meetings for me. Uh, I'm very upset. Yeah, because we were going to be in Dallas and then Charlotte, and I was supposed to go to Kenya, and I was having a meetup over there. So um, 
Yeah, so I had decided to put these together because those face-to-face meetings are so powerful. Um, and what we do in the morning is I work with my students that are local in that area. And then in the afternoon, we bring in local business owners who are in that area just to kind of connect everybody and talk about ideas and share things. And just because to me, your network is everything it, in business. And I think in life in general, it's all about who you know or who you're willing to get to know. And the more people you know and the more opportunities that you have to listen to other people's ideas, uh, the richer you will be just personally, professionally, and financially, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you. Have you thought about doing any virtual meetup? Um, what well, we do, uh, so I haven't thought about doing yes and no. So I do virtual meetups with all of my students, but I haven't really thought about doing them uh, like that. I guess, yeah, I mean, I haven't put too much thought in it, to be honest. And and to be honest, with the, the COVID, we've been so busy, <laughs> you know, that I really haven't had time to do any of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I get it. I totally get it. Are you still working as a registered nurse right now? Um, I go into the OR every once in a while. So I take call um, like once a month and uh, luck will have it. I ended up in the OR last weekend with a COVID patient. So that was fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, So, okay. So you told me what the, the some of the biggest challenges have you seen in entrepreneurs are what do you think are some of the best rewards of um, going into entrepreneur you know and owning your own business uh well i'll tell you that the best thing for me and this might not be on anybody's radar or whatever but it, it's really been about self-discovery and personal development <laughs> and i you know i say that because the you hit so many roadblocks and i guess this is another barrier but you hit so many roadblocks in starting your business. And most of the problems that you end up coming up against are not business problems. The business itself is pretty straightforward. You know, just tell people about what you're doing, get in front of them, let them solve the problem that they want solved. That's pretty straightforward. Um, but then it's like, well, I can't do that because I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not expert enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. So I had all these like personal issues that I had to work through. And, uh, so I ended up spending more money on personal development than I did on like business development because every time I got stuck, it was always a personal problem that I was dealing with, whether it was, you know, when I was nine, my parents told me I couldn't do this or I wasn't good at that or, <laughs> you know, and I'm like still working through it like 40 years later, but, and that it, it filters over into your business and everything time you come up against one of those limiting scripts of, I can't do that because uh, 99% of the time I can guarantee you it's going to be a personal problem and has nothing to do with business. That's true. What has been your biggest aha? Um, Oh my God. (laughs) There's been a lot of ahas. Yeah. So when I first started one of my businesses, I refused to put any pictures on um, my website because, you know, I said, well, nurses don't do that. They don't sell. They don't do this. They don't you know, just all these things that I had conjured up in my mind that we don't do. And it was really just me being afraid to step out and be a leader. And uh, to that end, like, it took me a year to put my first webinar together, uh, and actually launch it. And I made several sales. And then when the sales money came in, the first thing I wanted to do was refund everybody and apologize. And I was like, (laughs) what is wrong with you? And, you know, and it was just one of those things like that you're a terrible business person who like makes sales and then refunds the money. But yeah, and that's clearly a a personal problem, right? (laughs) So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see how um, how that just would apply to so many people because we number one we're nurses, right? So we're always kind of trying to help, and you know, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that myself and other nurse entrepreneurs that I know, or even non entrepreneurs that I know, have is that you know we're we have we struggle with you know we know these people need help. We're helping them with this program, and like, how could we charge them? And then I think the flip side of that is that if we want to be sustainable and continue to help people, we have to be able to have a place to live and food to eat. And so um, it's kind of a a balance of, you know, remembering, yes, we are nurses and we are supposed to help. And, uh, you know, it feels kind of awkward to charge for that help. And uh, knowing that if you don't, it's not going to be sustainable. You're going to have to go do something to make money. And then what time are you going to have to be able to help other people? Right. But you also have to feel worth the money. And I think that's a big self-confidence thing that you go through because I can give you business advice all day long for free. But if you actually pay me for it, now I have a whole new set of responsibilities. And now I almost feel like a, a fraud, you know, because um, now you're saying that my my advice is worth something. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, it's a hard thing to come to grips with and, and just say, yes, actually, it, it is worth you know, let's say it's worth $10,000 for me to talk to you for, you know, a month or something or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a great point. It's a great point. And it's, it's one that I can see not, not being aware of until you're like right there in the moment and it's happening. And then, you know, you're like, well, what did I do now? Right. (laughs) And I've had one student who pretty much self-sabotaged herself for the past year. And, uh, you know, just with, there's always a reason why she can't sell. And, and then she'd say, well, Katie, I haven't made any money. And I'm like, okay, well, how many, how, how many sales calls did you make? Or how many people did you reach out to? And she's like, well, none. I'm like, well, that's really hard. <laughs> you <laughs> wanted make... to just fall on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, well, that's, that makes it difficult. And, but she also works with oncology patients and she's like, I don't want to charge the oncology patients. And I said, well, that's fine, but then they're not our audience. So we can't offer them something and then charge nothing. So they can be the recipient of what you do, but they're not the audience. So now we need to talk about who is the audience, who's actually going to pay for this. So if we're not going to ask oncology patients to pay for it, then we have to ask somebody to pay for it. And that's our new audience. And we have to figure out what their problem is. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really great point. What are you, um, what are you hoping to do with, with uh, nursepreneurs? I know you have a podcast, um, you have the masterminds. What's your dream goal for, for that organization? Um, I see Nursepreneurs as a global brand that just connects nurses around the world. And, you know, we have this like exclusive or well, inclusive, but exclusive to nurses, right, uh, group where we just share ideas and we just elevate uh, this part of the profession to, you know, really put our mark on it. And one of the things that I love that we're doing is we're working in the concierge nurse space and we are just uh, literally pioneering that space Uh, we have about seven eight concierge nurse businesses in our group and you know we're really moving that forward we're literally writing the textbook on it so i'm I'm really excited about that whole prospect and and just literally creating a whole new field of nursing with concierge uh, nursing, what kind of, so I, I like two, I mean, I guess like IV hydration maybe is one or um, like home visits is another. Uh, what kind of concierge 
nurse businesses that have you seen or what other what else is out there because I need to expand my mind <laughs> so um, some of the nurse uh, the nurse concierge businesses uh, work with plastic surgery patients so it's a simple well not a simple procedure but it's a procedure that same day the, the patients need to be picked up and most of them want somebody to be there with them a lot of them don't want anybody to know they're having plastic surgery so you know it works out perfectly to have like a, a discreet private nurse come in and, and take care of you and then there's a whole other avenues that we've been talking about, like, um, you know, just I have a couple uh, students that are in the L.A. area that cater to that really, really wealthy population where they want the private nurse, the concierge nurse to come in and do their IV antibiotics or change their dressing or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then another student is working in the pediatric realm and just helping moms um, or parents after pediatric surgery. Uh, so there's a whole bunch, and then there's a whole piece of advocacy where you can go to appointments with people and, and that kind of stuff. So it, it's really exciting and we're building out a whole like spectrum of um, ideas of how to expand concierge nursing. I love that. I, I really, I really love that. I've seen, I think I've seen some other Ones like um, like some podiatry nurses that specialize in doing you know foot care at home. I'm trying to think of all the other different types of services that you could offer. I think I've seen um, I've actually seen some nurse practitioner led businesses around aesthetics and that type of concierge uh, servicing. Yeah, I, and then there's a whole other just that direct primary care model that some nurse practitioners have bought into as well, and I thought that was a really neat model. Years ago, I, I wanted to start a direct primary care, which is basically at a, a membership fee and there's no insurance involved. And, uh, you know, I thought that would be a really great business to, to do. And then I realized I didn't really want to work primary care. And I'm like, this is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds like it would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a great idea and it was in my head. And I, you know, I went out and bought like a whole bunch of supplies. And now my basement is full of supplies that I can't use, but it came in handy for COVID because I had masks and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so that's what you bring, you bring up a really good point around, like you might have like the best idea ever, but if it doesn't fit what you really want to do, You'll end up doing something that, yes, makes money, and then you'll be miserable down the line. So uh, oh, really yeah. important to align like, what you want to do with what you you know are going to do. Oh, yeah. I always uh, talk to my students about their just kind of personality. And I'm like, do you like being on stage? Do you want to interact with people? Do you want to not interact with people ever? <laughs> you know, or, you know, because it, it depends. Because concierge nursing and IV hydration, they're very highly, highly dependent on the partnerships that you make. So you have to be okay with going out and introducing yourself to other providers or other businesses that might work synergistically with you that will refer people to you because we can certainly, it's hard to do ads for concierge nursing. So you really need those referrals to come from MDs. And if you don't have relationships with these docs or providers uh, and you're not willing to go out and make them, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would you tell the nurse that's listening right now that's like, you have light, lit something up in me. Either I want to grow my brand and be known as, you know, the nurse that does fill in the blank, or, you know, I'm ready to, to look into and, and begin, you know, my next phase or my next chapter. What would you tell them if they're like, but, but I can't because of whatever reason, what would you say to them? <laughs> yeah, there's always buts. Um, yeah. I mean, you just really have to 
you just really have to want it at the end of the day. And there'll always be a million reasons why you can't do something. But if there's one just internal flame that's itching you, that you're going to pursue it regardless of, of what, whether you're in six figures debt or you're, you know, just whatever the issue is, um, you know, coming to fulfill that is really powerful and it will move you. So, but there's so many things that you could do just for free and the, the free stuff that you have to do to build a brand anyway, um, it's just time consuming and you have to be committed to doing it because if you let, I, I've seen a lot of people that'll open up an Instagram account and then they'll post once and say, well, I don't have any followers. And you're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it's something that you have to show up every day and be um, consistent with it. And there's tons of resources on how to build an Instagram account online and you can figure it out and, and just do it. But that comes back to that self-confidence. Like, is what I'm saying, is what I'm doing um, worth anything? Will anybody listen to me? Uh, and they will if you are persistent and consistent and you can do a lot of that stuff for free. You can start YouTube if you want to do video, Instagram for photos. You could start a TikTok account and get a whole bunch of millennial followers and my niece who's nine, um, you know, <laughs> to follow you. And <laughs> But it's just a matter of picking your platform. What do you like? What platform do you like? And showing up consistently around one message. And that's actually the best way to do it. And, and then your audience will eventually tell you what it is that they want from you. And that's when you can start the business. Oh, that's awesome. What if you're like a person that like just likes all the platforms? Like I like to do video and I love dancing on TikTok. And I think pictures are like so cool. What would you say? I would say you pick one primary platform that you're going to focus solely for your business because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work and you can spend, I mean, maybe if you have a lot of time, you could, you could do it. But I mean, just uh, spending 45 minutes a day on Instagram is, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you because if you're going to interact with people and DM them and, and like and comment and share their stuff, that takes a while and you're only building a couple people a day. Like you don't want to have a, a bot going around liking everybody's stuff because it's, you know, to get followers because they don't mean anything. But mm -hmm. if you actually put the personal touch in there, uh, it, it'll pay back. And one of the biggest platforms that I've spent the most time and energy in is, has been LinkedIn. And that's been one of the most profitable platforms that I've been in. And everything else is just kind of secondary. Any LinkedIn tips? Uh, yeah, have a photo on your LinkedIn profile like, <laughs> and have your message on the LinkedIn profile. Like just when somebody comes and they see you, they should know within three seconds. It should be like what we call the stupid test. Like if I look at your profile for three seconds and then look away, will I remember what it is that you do? And if not, then it's not effective. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I, I want to tell that to my daughter who doesn't have a LinkedIn, but she should have one. Yes, because <laughs> it's not about like getting a job. It's about connecting with other people who, uh, and that's a very wealthy um, platform in the terms of people that are on of LinkedIn have money um, and they're doing business and they're looking to do business and they're willing to spend money. So it's a good one. Oh, that's a great tip. Thank you for sharing with the listeners. Listen, Katie, this has been awesome. You've just given so many different little pearls uh, that I think are beyond invaluable. And I know Nursepreneurs um, just has fabulous content and really can help people get where they want to go. Um, if people want to find out more about you or Nursepreneurs, where can they find you? 
Uh, they can find me at katieharris.com. And I have a nursepreneur guide in there that lists like over 100 plus nurse businesses that are already out there. And, and you can check them out and look them up and see what other people are doing and look at that competition and let it spark your imagination. And I think that's a, a really good place to start. Awesome. I've had a great time and uh, so glad that we met. So glad that, uh, you know, we'll have each other in each other's lives until, you know, way past COVID, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I hope COVID ends. Not that I don't want a relationship know, to end. But. <laughs> <I know. laughs> awesome. This has been great. Thanks, Katie. Uh, thank you.